starting to record. This is what I like about Zoom because it like it will. The thing with we're sorry with Skype that it will like show you like something is mm-hmm. recording. It won't have a robot voice. Um. Anyway, we've done too many intros where we're talking about the, the quality of Zoom versus Skype. So, um, <laughs> hello everyone. Welcome to Karate Without Belts. My name is John. Uh, I've been dra- dragged into this, um, not kicking and screaming, just kind of like, oh, wow, this is what happens when someone else has an idea. And it's like, oh, we want to do this. I'm like, all right, I got a platform. So why not? I am joined by Dan, who's who's uh, now glomming on to the to the into the podcast. Not glomming. That's triumphantly word, walking, busting down doors even. into the world of podcasting. And um, joined by the illustrious, the one and only, much like much like Prince Madonna and Cher, uh, just two letters, J and B. Welcome. <laughs> At JB Yeager is the full name, but yeah, sorry. That's all I put in the, the Skype box. You're it's just going to be JB from now on. That's just... fine with me, you know, if, if I can... If I can be half as famous as Bono, I've done something right in my life, I guess. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't believe I left I'll that I'll take out. half as rich, too. Just don't put your music out on, uh, you know, iTunes. Like, force everybody. Bad. Yeah, yeah, just don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, no he came out and publicly that. apologized for it. <laughs> my, uh, <clears throat> that was the only way my wife knew who you two was before we met. <laughs> well, it's a step. It's a step. Hey, hey. I don't have vertigo, but um, gentlemen, <laughs> how's how are things going? How has this week in training been? Uh, it's been going really well. I got a, a lot of rounds in, uh, mostly focusing on uh, Filipino uh, sword fighting and a little bit of German messer work. Nice. And today has been a recovery day. I woke up and my right leg said, "No, you're not uh, doing anything quickly." That's delicious. Wait, what do you mean by Filipino sword fighting? You mean like like more like like the actual actual use of a blade or are you talking more like like we use, we use training blades but uh, we we spar with them um you know headgear lacrosse gloves uh and, and the weapons are uh, are are firm but padded so they'll leave a welt but they won't uh, they won't break anything uh, we t- we tend to save the the hard sticks for occasional uh, occasional rounds just like you don't want to go full contact uh, boxing or kickboxing all the time because you'll just be hobbling for everyday, um, mm-hmm. everyday life. Uh, you know, a little touch and go sparring, technical sparring, that's the way to go. Okay, definitely get behind that. Dan, how about you? Not bad. I'm, I'm kind of bummed I'm not working on some messer work. Gosh. <laughs> it's something <laughs> I've gotten into recently. We can play next time we get together. Nice. Nice. It, it it goes, you know, messers the the German long knife, uh, and it it blended really well with my Kali. So I just started playing with some of the tactics, uh, in my sparring matches. So. Yeah. Yeah. Do do the, does the messer work? Do have a whole lot of high hanging guards like the German longsword work? Here we are, JKD talking about on a karate podcast talking about HEMA. <laughs> uh, All the same. The, 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 Potato yeah, Patrice. The episode right there. It's all the same. Mm. Um, the the Hema effects uh, book I'm working with now, uh, Parent Fade. I haven't gotten to any real hanging guards. I've seen that in a lot of uh, other systems. Um, yeah. A lot of low guards. Uh, okay. That I've I've really enjoyed employing against uh, 
my partners uh, to you know lure in the high shots. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Risky but fun. Yes. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> we were so uh talking about low guard so uh this week in the uh, uh bastone class we were working on taunting and one of the things that we do when we taunt is we uh you, you'll see me in videos like bounce the stick back and forth like this mm-hmm. and a lot of times that stick when it bounces back it actually hits their shin so you like you like bang like you you hit the shin to to draw them in so that you can wind or beat or do whatever to to take line. Um, mm. So we were we were employing uh, similar similar tactics. Cool. Beyond I that, have, I've I've followed some of that. I, I, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I'm like, all right, I'm kind of all right. And then see, because Dan regaled me with this story of how he learned Italian stick fighting one time, and like my. My, my my kind of my thing was like so when Dan was a wee lad, his, his his him and his grandpappy went out into the backyard, and as mind you, this is me be doing this in a bad uh, Irish accent. I'm talking about Italian skate fighting. He took him out in the backyard as a wee lad, and and they grabbed some sticks and were just fiddling about, hitting each other and having a good old time. And little did little Dan know that he was actually learning an ancient art of Italian stick fighting. Uh, that's not to belittle what what you were saying, but it's just like that's like just like how my brain somehow like remembered it. And it's totally what happened, John. Uh, totally, it's it's word for word. Everything about that was true. <laughs> you know, I, I just mean, posted a picture not too long ago of me on this little tractor that my pap had, and he would let us ride it around. That was about the age that I worked with him. So I lived right next door to him for like a year, year and a half, something like that. And and that was when primarily that I that I did work with him. And so I was 10, maybe, you know, it really wasn't until I was in college that I realized that there actually was Italian stick fighting. And then and I went, oh, I watch videos and I go, yeah, that, that's what we did. Yeah, yeah, that's what we did. Holy crap, you know, mm. but um, but yeah, I was a wee lad. In the backyard, you know. Wow, that all circle around, say, uh, JB, <laughs> because we're talking about just mixing and matching and whatever works. Yes. Um, things that we may or may not know. We may or may have just been taught to us one time, and then we pick it up, pick it up and run with it. Dan had mentioned this to me before, like, like about like JKD, and it was like, what the hell's that? I like, I've not, no, mind you. Uh oh, he's got the book. I do have the book. I have the ha, book right there here. It is. Hey, uh, like, there like I do actually have the book, and I did like buy it to do like research on it, which I just ended up not doing. Um, <laughs> Why research something we can ask somebody a question? Well, no, it's, it's not, this wasn't a recent development either, but it's just like I've had this book for a while, and it's like one of the probably one of the best-selling books, martial arts books in the Tao of Jeku No, and. I, I venture to have anybody read that thing and then walk away being like, I know what Jekun Do is. And I'm like, Yeah, no. I was actually having a, a conversation uh, or, that Dan was involved with as well uh, with, with someone who did not have any actual JKD background in their training, um, but was uh, pontificating about what JKD is and what JKD training involved. 
um, because they'd read all of Bruce Lee's books. Uh, well, Bruce Lee only wrote a few books in his lifetime, um, and none of them lay out a, uh, an actual curriculum for JKD. The Tao Jeet Kune Do that you know you're holding there, uh, great book, and like you like you kind of said, I don't think you can be a martial artist and not have that on your bookshelf that you haven't picked up at some point. Uh, you know, at least of our generation, um, the the Tao is it was published posthumously. Uh, he had already passed away, and uh, it's largely just a collection of his notes, um, which is uh, that people just cobbled together, editors, his wife, uh, a couple other people, after his death, and it has quotes that he had written down from other people for his own personal notes, so they don't have any attribution. So, uh, you know, that's why the kind of the big joke, anytime you see a Bruce Lee meme on, on Instagram or Facebook, the quote is probably not his. Right. It's, it's just, you know, something that he wrote down for himself, but got popularized after his death and attributed to him. I mean, you can't blame somebody for taking, for taking somebody like notes. So no. famous had like put together and then put it out there and then it'd be like, yeah, sells well. like you can't. Yeah. I, I don't doubt the authenticity of it, but it is just one of those things that I think a lot of people have and mm-hmm. they have it, but they don't know what it means. Like they don't really know how to like, if it's really not supposed to be anything at all, like, and it's just put together and like, it's got a couple good ideas in it, but you know, just, it's a couple good ideas. And then you're just like, Yeah. Well, and, you know, a lot of it, like I said, it's it's his notes. You have different sections of the book divided up, uh, you know, hand tools. Some of it does lay out his thoughts on on curriculum or strategy and tactics. But, you know, it, it doesn't tell you, you know, it, it's not a how to book, mm. but you can absolutely take things from it. I, you know, I, I study it all the time, refer to it when I'm you know, teaching my students, uh, you know, I, I got my first copy of that. I think I was 11 or 12, and it's it's the reason I'm here today in in large part. So, you know, <clears throat> I got the book probably around the same time, and um, I remember like that that book was probably one of the first influences of Chinese philosophy that I had. Like that book <laughs> was the reason I studied Taoism. Mm-hmm. And and then realized that he copied everything from Taoism, but right. well, not everything, but you know what I mean. Like I I remember yeah. like going and going, oh, this is where that quote came from. <laughs> yep. But but it wouldn't have been for that book, really. Yeah, you you open it up, and then the first uh, the first actual chapter heading is on Zen. Uh, you know, so that just that chapter, um, as well as uh, you know, to kind of bring it home to your podcast, the first system I ever studied. When I was a, a young man, was uh, Matsubayashi Ryu Karate, and the founder, uh, you know, Shoshin Nagamini, was uh, very, very influenced by Zen. Was uh, recognized as a, a Zen master um, by uh, Chozenji Temple in, in Hawaii. That kind of started me on that path, and I got to the Tao of Jeet Kune Do. And so for me, I just thought, oh, that's that's what martial arts is about. It's about Zen. There, there's quotes in that that section from the platform sutra uh quotes uh from alan watts various sources both i don't want to say legit and illegit but authentic zen and pop pop culture zen uh that was around in the 
60s and 70s that influenced Bruce. But I think that's that's actually probably the best analogy, not analogy, but like best description of like that point in time. Mm-hmm. Because you do essentially have all of this kind of old guard or old school stuff that largely went untouched and was just kind of largely like passed down as was. And then you have what was becoming like pop everything because of like the, like the coming, the coming tide of globalization and just the, like, and then just mass media becoming a, a thing, tie that into multimedia and a movie star. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. you've got essentially not only a guy who had he gone on would have been much more would have had much more claim but also a martial arts style a system uh a branding exercise oh this is yeah exactly and and that's why i'm like i don't know how to define that because there have been so many people who have attempted and it's kind of like what happens with karate a lot too it's like that's a real karate or blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, is this just another permeation of that issue or is that something else? And uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm I, not an expert on it. I, all I know is th- this debates, one fight I've been having for a long time about authenticity and inauthenticity. And those debates take place within the, the JKD community and without the JKD community. It's some of the best, uh, Best explanations of JKD I've ever heard, you know, come from people who've seen all of Bruce Lee's movies but have never trained a day in their life. Those are always fun to listen to. But no, it's it's an ongoing argument, uh, discussion. This is how my teacher defined JKD. Well, you know, this is how my teacher defines JKD. And for an art that supposedly is, you know, not about lineages and uh, any of that traditional classical mess and nonsense that they, they like to put down. JKD has more lineage wars than your average karate style or Wing Chun. And and so for the most part, I just want to say, okay, cool, you, you do what you want to do. I'm going to go back and train. For me, systematically, I don't have an issue looking at it as a style, uh, I, you know, which contradicts Bruce Lee's exact words. And there will definitely be people who, when they listen to this podcast, will come for me with burning torches is it a style of no style in a sense yes any any martial art any person who creates a path or a system or a curriculum uh does so out of their own personal development their own path their own experiences the people they learn from they lay out something their next student who comes along even if they copy every single thing their teacher said is still going to bring their own experiences and and influence and ideas and how they teach so, you know, I don't see that as being any different than, say, the, the Ryuha system that you see in, uh, in traditional Japanese and Okinawan martial arts. Mm, okay. Similar. Yeah, my JKD Similar. is not my teacher's JKD, is not his teacher's JKD, is not Bruce's JKD. And if we're going to sit here and argue over who has the authentic Bruce Lee's JKD, uh, have fun with those arguments. I'm either going to be on the mat yeah, training or... That guy's uh, dead. Have a drink. Yeah, that guy's dead. Right. <laughs> no, I, so one person... I, I had this conversation with my students earlier that this year. We should make our marketing uh, be better than Bruce Lee, mm. just to just to you know troll people and piss them off. Because <laughs> one, Bruce Lee is dead, and and two, he was always evolving. Why aren't we? Yeah. And, and for a lot of the JKD community, that's not an issue. But right. you know. do you feel that there is some like there's people who are more on the side of like more where you're at, where they have roots from training in that time with 
Bruce Lee and Dan Azano and stuff like that. And are just kind of continuing to do their own thing. And they have legitimacy not through following XYZ curriculum, but from saying these are the principles laid out by Jay Kundo and this is what we do. And like they don't get into those lineage wars. Or do you feel like this is the established Jay Kundo, everyone do your own thing, the end? Saying that are there more people who are interested in, in progressing? Yeah. Are they more on the side of like essentially taking like just just moving on and moving forward, but always kind of looking back at those roots of the time, like like saying like saying like yeah, this is what we were doing back in the '60s, and then this is how this guy progressed and this guy progressed, and we still come together mm-hmm. at certain points and, and mix and match and pass it and exchange notes, or um, is it just become more like it's everything, so it's nothing, so it's it's anything? So the this kind of the stereotypical divide that people have these conversations about is you have original jkd and then they'll call it jkd concepts or something along those lines which basically means coming out of the inosanto side of things for lack of a better delineation the original jkd people like to say they're doing the bruce's original curriculum the interesting thing about that is Bruce Lee, like any other martial artist, had stages in his development. And so the students who trained with him at X given point, if you trained with him in Seattle and you do exactly what he taught you, that's your original thing. Um, Although that was more of the the pre-JKD, Jun Fan Gung Fu. If you trained with him in LA, you were doing one thing. This idea that there is an original JKD that's kind of spurious in itself. Um, and then on the Inosanto side of things, you have some practitioners who are definitely kind of referring back to the original concepts and referring back to Bruce Lee's roots. Uh, one of the criticisms I always, or responses to the criticism uh, against the Inosanto camp was, well, if you if you go to, to Guru Dan's school and take the JKD class, that's going to be what he got from Bruce Lee. If you take the Kali class, that's not the JKD class. It, there's not a, a mix there. And then you have people like uh, my teacher, uh, Burton Richardson, who's kind of continued down that path for himself, who uh, studied under Guru Dan and uh, worked with a lot of the top uh, mixed martial artists and Brazilian uh, jiu-jitsu instructors and continued his path. He was one of the first dog brothers. He was one of the first dog brothers in the first three. Uh, so full contact, stick fighting, all of that, uh, and continued his development there. So yeah, it, it runs the gamut, and I, I probably offended everyone on every side you know, in my, my brief stereotypes here. If, uh, if I pissed you off, well, okay. <laughs> If you've ever listened to anyway, right. ever listened if to I'm pissed you off, welcome to the Internet and Martial Arts. Uh, welcome to this there'll podcast. Be, there'll be someone else along in the next five minutes to piss you off even more about something else. So. I want to say I'm actually one of the cool-headed ones on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> what is it? If you've ever listened to an episode where we have Jeremy on here, he's like, I might offend. He, he kind of has this line, like, I might offend somebody. I'm like, dude, you're not Rush Limbaugh. Like, don't worry about it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like we're not. we're not. Uh, you know, no, no one has ever said the woke have taken JKD or anything like that. So we're not, not you know, it's, I, I, I don't think and this is the thing, though. I don't think anyone would be like I, I this is this is what, what drives me crazy is like is some people would be like, well, we're going to be angry about uh, what somebody said on a podcast or this person says about this. And, you know, I, I 
kind of, I will tell it on myself where it's like, you know, we see some famous karate YouTubers and everyone's like, I can't believe he rah, 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 rah. I'm just like, so what? He's just like a blonde Aryan boy. Like, don't worry about it. He's just a YouTube guy. So what? This guy yeah. said one thing. This doesn't stop you from training. You know, so having an opinion on something is helping actually expand people's understanding of it and thus fulfilling what Bruce Lee wanted to do. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, there's uh, so I've been I'm in my mid 40s. I've been doing martial arts since I was a, a young boy. And there have definitely been stages along my development uh, where, you know, I would encounter this personality or read this book by this person. And, you know, I've I believe some crazy stupid things in my life i guarantee you each of us at some point in our careers as martial artists actually believed that you could do a palm strike to someone's nose and drive that right through their brain guarantee you at some point dan i know you still can you know i'm not gonna brag you, you or anything stupid things and then we furthered our knowledge and this doesn't pertain to martial arts it pertains to life in general um, so I, I think there's this a concern among some that if so-and-so gets all their information from this source who isn't me, they're going to go down the path of the dark side forever and ever and be trapped. And, you know, there, there's some truth to that and that if that person is a, a, a bad actor, if they're um, ethically compromised, you do want to worry about that. But the majority of people who are getting their information from YouTube are dabblers. And whatever that subject matter is, I, I have students who have, you know, come in and watched this YouTuber talk about Bruce Lee or read this book or article about Bruce Lee and, and think that's what JKD is about. And then they encounter what we do. And I'm not saying what we do is the real thing, but it's what we do. And, uh, you know, it, it opens their mind. And for the most part, most of them go, oh, OK, I guess that was wrong or incorrect or I misunderstood it. And now I move on to the next. How much do you feel that's like a matter of mass media? Just people are like, I saw this on YouTube versus like, oh, this is a real person. I'm actually walking into like a real situation. Do you, I, do you I, see I like that, that kind of like reality sensitivity versus living in the bubble, the like social media bubble or whatever? I, I think that's part of it. I mean, it. Uh, we are so so overwhelmed by social media especially in, in the martial arts i mean uh the i can go on youtube now and google or or youtube martial arts that might have been like a byline in some encyclopedia when i was in my teens and get hours of video and sparring footage watch their forms whatever it is they do and and that's just the authentic stuff and so the the bs is out there even more you know it's hard for people to sort through that and they just kind of go with what it is. And the way I look at it, the people who are going to cling to whatever one person said on YouTube in contradiction of the real person in front of them or the multiple real people in front of them, that person wasn't going to get anywhere with it anyways. Uh, once or twice a month, I get hilarious uh, phone calls from people who, who say they want to sign up for lessons, but what they really want to do is ask me random questions about Bruce Lee. Uh, you know, like, like, did he really kill that guy in Thailand like he did in the movie? Uh, and I'm like, what does this have to do with training? <laughs> Thank you for your time. I appreciate your phone call. And, and, you know, even if I schedule one of those guys for a, a session, they, they never show up. So, yeah. you, you know, those people aren't your target audience. Those people aren't your students. Let them have the opinions they want. Focus on the people who are there to to actually learn and grow and, and want your help and uh, are there to help you. Do you find, 
being that you do teach that and and Bruce Lee is is a part of that image, so to speak, mm-hmm. do you do you get weird? I don't want to say weird people, but you know what I mean? Do you get mm-hmm. do you get a lot of weird people that that come <laughs> in and want to like like train like I want to be Bruce Lee or I want to be this or that? Like I most of them most of them don't make it past the phone call like I was just saying. The amount of people I get who call me who are stoned off their gore. <laughs> Uh, I get a lot of calls, and you know this is not my personal line. This is getting routed through through our website and everything. I get a lot of calls after like 11 p.m. on a Friday night. Wow! <laughs> wow! You know? so, hey man, dude, you know, I was hey just man. watching Under the Dragon. But you know, I, I get their background information. I call them the next. Uh, next monday morning at 9 a.m and they one they rarely answer but yeah the the really weird ones tend not to get past the phone call Bruce the, the people here, who do show up if, if they can kind of have some weird theories or whatever you know if they if they make it through a class they're generally and and they, they're willing to do what bruce lee said empty your cup which again wasn't actually him it was uh i forget what the name of the zen monk was in that story but uh you know if they're willing to empty their cup and just experience the real thing then uh then they're good to go but yeah occasionally i get people come in and it's just like yeah you i don't know what you're here for you're here for your ego you're not here to train you're not here to learn how to become a better person Mm -hmm. because of the bruce lee imagery i do get the occasional person who you know run their background information and they've got lists of felonies and they think i'm going to teach them so yeah. Do you do do you do a like a sled check on all your students? Like a, uh, a background check? No. No, just if if you get the feeling, you get the feels, inkling. I, I was yeah. I was a private investigator in another career. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> I know schools that run background checks on on all their uh, students and Yeah, it, it's not it's a bad idea. Depending on what you're teaching, you know, alongside <laughs> JKD, we we do Filipino Kali and you know, there's there's definitely stuff there when you start playing with knives i'm I'm not interested in giving to the wrong person mm-hmm. you know, I'm, not, I'm not saying they can't go on youtube and find out the same stuff true you know, or, or buy somebody else's dvds but yeah uh, but that's, just that's not, not in person. your school yeah not, it's not on me you know mm-hmm, so. mm-hmm. you don't have to live with it yeah but true. exactly okay so that brings us all the way back to this question then okay okay so we kind of have these 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 kind of lineage wars people who are out there we have the kind of like hey bruce bruce isn't here right now stoner guys you have the kind of dangerous <laughs> um like like people who are like getting high on a friday night eating pizza and watching kung fu movies you have the kind of over like dangerous Which i'm not judging them for that's it's not a bad thing to do on a friday night in the safety of your own home yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're not. We don't <laughs> judge don't, on this don't podcast. Call me uh, at eleven. Yeah, <laughs> we've had a drunk cast on here at one point. Well, not drunk cast. We were drinking, but not drunk cast. Just so, coffee for me, John. Just coffee. That's all. BCA. I, I I don't think we we could we could put anything in in Dan that would be on coffee. We, we would <laughs> listen, probably listen. He would John. probably end up in a different dimension if we start, if we started feeding him anything else. Listen, God like created the earth. In six days. You know why God created the earth in six days, John? Why? Because coffee wasn't invented yet. And then he said, you know what? This is ridiculous. I'm going to make coffee so that nobody needs to take this long to do anything ever again. Oh, Dan, you and these dad jokes. Uh, but the, <laughs> so the que- no, that, that's staying in. That's staying in. Yeah. So the question the question then is, what 
is JKD? What uh, like how like, can we best <laughs> define it? Like, <laughs> right? Like how can it be best? Nine minutes in. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna go uh, in the dictionary, JB. So you know. All right. Um. So you'll get a lot of of possible answers from people, and and some of them might be uh, right, some of them might be accurate, some of them might be very accurate for them. The the answer I go with is one of Bruce Lee's notes from the Tao of Jeet Kune Do, and it's that uh, JKD is a way of life. It's a movement towards willpower uh, and self-control and enlightenment. And okay. so, uh, you know, there's nothing in there about kicking or punching people, at least in my primary definition that, you know, again, not not my definition, his own words. Mm-hmm. Um, it goes back to what you were saying before. It's like the beginning was talking about Zen and Buddhism. So yeah. it kind of is the martial arts aspect of that. How much, and this is where it gets into this idea of, you know, people will watch like Enter the Dragon and be like, there's like a finger pointing at the, I forget if that's a deleted scene or not, but like, it's like a finger pointing at the stars. Do not look at the mm-hmm. finger. Where you, yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, which is another lifted straight from, uh, from Zen teachings. In fact, uh, I spent seven going on eight years uh, living in a, a Buddhist temple, uh, learning Zen, uh, and that reference is actually in, in one of the uh, one of the uh, records of some of my great 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 ancestors in that lineage. The finger pointing at the moon. If you focus on the finger, you're, you'll miss all the heavenly glory, as as Bruce Lee said. So then, how does this translate into? Is this him essentially being somebody who did like Wing Chun Kung Fu? cha-cha dancing apparently and and all this other stuff that he was doing the, the martial mm-hmm. arts the, being an actor and stuff is this him a guy and running into this buddhist philosophy and then essentially attempting to fuse it onto what he already does and so as to like live more secularly with what he mm-hmm. what he knows and bringing it into that and so therefore it's the actual the empty cup is you know, the cup itself is the Buddhist philosophy, and then what it goes in is supposed to be some form of physical activity in martial art, or is it the other way around? A martial art that's supposed to also put in, you know, the Buddhist philosophy. Bruce Lee studied philosophy. Uh, there's a common misconception that uh, he was a philosophy major while he was in college. He wasn't. He was a drama major. But he, he studied philosophy. If you look at lists of uh, the, li- the books in his library— it was Western philosophy, Eastern philosophy. It's all over. In his reading, he definitely, especially towards the end of his life, drifted towards uh, the works of Krishnamurti. Uh, he, he did read a lot of Zen, a lot of uh, Taoist uh, works. And if you look at the notes, and, and I'm not there, there's definitely people who are more qualified to speak to this, like John Little. If you look at the notes, like there are picked for the Tao of Jeet Kune Do. When you see just in there, if you do a search for Jeet Kune Do is, the majority of quotes you will get are not necessarily technical fighting quotes. They are things like the ones, uh, the one I just gave you. Uh, others mm-hmm. would be uh, Jeet Kune Do is directed towards uh, yourself. Uh, Jeet Kune Do lies in its freedom. Jeet Kune Do favors formlessness. Uh, Jeet Kune Do fits in with all styles. So you you kind of start to get into the the fighting aspect of it. Uh, Jeet Kune Do is the enlightenment. Uh, so there there does seem to be this sense whether he was successful in it or not, and I'll leave that to you because uh, he was a flawed human being. But that he wanted he, he wanted more than just you know, this is my badass system of uh, 
scientific street fighting, eye gouges and groin kicks. He's dead, so we can't really know. And there, there are definitely people in the JKD community who are who are more interested in uh, knee him in the groin, gouge their eyes out, and uh, break their throat. Uh, that's that's cool. That's that's there. That's a part of it. Um, but I th- I think there's more to it. Okay. Yeah, it's like you know, like <clears throat> Huang Yi, uh, the guy who founded my lineage of Tungsudo, in his 1958 book, he has a whole section on what what he calls Sudo, or spiritual practice. And if you actually take those Chinese characters and plug them into you know like what they actually are, you know mean. It means Taoist monastic life, serious spiritual commitment. And he says that Tangsudo is a, a weapon that, when being used, can overcome an, an, an opponent in an instant. And because of this, you need to have a strong spiritual practice. And I think that, you know, that idea of, of the martial art being being something that can be very violent, being something that has the capacity for this, if you do not balance that out, then you're going to be a problem for you're, you're not going to be a good member of society. You know, and I've always yeah. kind of viewed Bruce Lee's kind of, you know, balance of, of having, you know, the, the marshal because, you know, he was I mean, he, he got into a lot of street fights in, in China, apparently, and he was not the best kid. Um, I don't know if I ever told you this, JB. I, I spent time in uh, um, at a Franciscan retreat house in Santa Cruz, mm-hmm. and they had a cat room. And so I got to go and help with the cat room because that was that was amazing. And the lady who ran the cat room, this old this old sister, she was awesome. She she found out I did martial arts and she goes, you know, Bruce Lee. And I said, yeah, I know Bruce Lee. She goes, I taught Bruce Lee in China when he was little. He was a little shit. (laughs) (laughs) He was a little shit. (laughs) Apparently, like he was a bad kid. And and so the the, I could totally 100 percent see that necessity for that balance in his own training in his own formation as a as a as a young man, um, specifically after coming here, because I you know I don't think he was allowed to get in trouble here. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and it's it's interesting to me having you know come up in traditional martial arts before I encountered JKD. You know, that's generally an ethos. Like you mentioned, um, Wang Yi and, and Dong Sudo, you you see you see that throughout the classical martial arts uh, that Bruce Lee is typically pictured as railing against um, you know, using the art to become a better person, some sort of, you know, whether it's Zen or Taoism or, or just a general character building, you see that motif all throughout it. Mm-hmm. And, and so I don't think Bruce Lee was rebelling as much as people say he was. Um, right. The, you, you mentioned uh, the, the quote from Huang Yi, there's, there's one that uh, my students can probably repeat, maybe not verbatim, but they can, they can definitely repeat it to you in some sense, because I've, I've hammered it home quite a few times, <clears throat> excuse me, quite a few times. He says that the, the tools, your natural weapons have this double purpose. Uh, and the, the first is to destroy the opponent in front of you. And okay, so that's violent. Uh, but then he adds a caveat to that. Annihilation of the things that stand in the way of peace, justice, and humanity. Um, so, you know, you're being violent, but you're not just beating the crap out of anyone. 
mm-hmm. and then the, the second purpose is uh, to destroy the, the impulses caused by your own instincts of self-preservation, uh, to destroy the things that bother your mind, not to hurt anyone, but to overcome yourself, to overcome your, your anger, your folly, and your greed. And he concludes that JKD is directed toward yourself. Mm. There's definitely been JKD teachers I've I've studied under that uh, might have missed that. Okay. Yeah. If I if I if I may, like when I when I kind of look at some of the like we talk about some of the JKD students, some of them you can see got that, mm-hmm. and some of them didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Yeah. It's so weird. It's, you know, like when you teach, you know, I do find myself wondering who's getting what from me. Who remembers what I said? <laughs> Right? Like how much yeah. I said through our class, who remembered which parts? Right. And what's their yeah. perspective on it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you yeah. have no control over that. No, you, None. you don't. And, and you shouldn't. Mm. No. You know, as long as they're willing no. to show up and train, you know, and unless they're taking what you're, you're giving them. And like I said, you know, you're coming to a college class so you can learn to go out and stab people in the back, literally. Mm-hmm. That's something mm-hmm. to be concerned about. But yeah, sure. how, how a student takes what you teach them and lets it affect their life that's you can't control that the more you do the, yeah. the more of a bad actor you become and I, i've had teachers like that but yeah, yeah but know. i and i mean like more generally too like if i if i teach a class it's an hour long hour and a half long what pieces do people remember what pieces mm-hmm. will they forget on the right on the ride home what piece what pieces have they forgotten by the time class was over you know, like even more generally than that, the the moral stuff. I don't know about I don't know about you, John, um, and your curriculum, and in JB as well. But I've always viewed well, you, you know what I mean. In your experience, okay, going yeah, that, through that works, that works a curriculum, but I've always viewed colored belts as the modern way of weeding out the the bad students. Whereas in the old days, it was something else. But now we can't do that. So I've always kind of viewed we have these we have these colored belts. Why are why do we have these colored belts? And a lot of people were like, wow, why do I need to learn all these Pyongan forms? Why can't I just jump right into Kusanku? Like, I mean, you could. Yes. But I like to think of them as weeding out the students that I don't want to teach real stuff to. I don't want to I don't want to get deep with the person unless I really know them. And for us color belts, you know, you're roughly four years. That's a good amount of time for me to get to know somebody. And if they're not sticking around and if they're not sticking it out, or if it takes them nine years, 10 years, 12 years, that's fine. You know, that, that, uh, that allows me to do that. So I don't know if you have anything, if you, if you've ever kind of experienced that thought process or, or had something similar in your, in your experience. Kind of in that vein, it is interesting to me how a lot of times you can't predict who's going to be the ones who stick around just based on that first impression. It is you know, a length of time thing. Uh, I recently, I wouldn't say said goodbye, but one of my longtime students just uh, moved across the country to start a new life. When I first met him and started training with him, I would not have guessed that you know now almost a decade later, you know, uh, it's like, you know, a friend moving away. I'm not going to see him in class anymore. Uh, he gave me an awesome set of nunchaku as a uh, going away gift. Monogrammed, exotic hardwood. They feel great. Um, but uh, that aside, you, you know, 
Yeah, it, it's it's a process of getting to know someone, and it is a a, a relationship. That uh, you know, at at the start, especially if you're running a, a school as a as a business, there's there's a a consumer aspect, a, a customer client, you know, relationship. But uh, as you go along, that can't be all there is. Especially mm. like you were saying, Dan, you start teaching different things. You you want to know the person, and, and you if they stick around, you will discover them. And uh, mm. you know, the other side of that is if they stick around, they're they're going to discover you. So you got to be working on yourself at the same time. That's great, and that, that's a great quote that I've ever heard. And you always have to be working on yourself as well, not just with the students. You know, I've I think I've said this here before. They're an UK until they're a training partner. Hmm. Like that that I mean that because I feel like that's like the best way to look at it too. Like you're mm-hmm. not using somebody as a training dummy because you literally need to show so a lot of people. You have to show them how to punch. You need to show them how to kick. You need to show them how to do like whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're basically showing them by doing it on them and having them do it to you until they're ready to actually do it on their own and how long someone sticks with that. And then you kind of see their character through that. It, 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 it depends on their situation too. Like for me, who's someone who's failed at running commercial schools. It's one of the things I, I just, I can't bring myself to be more, com- not say commercial, but like bring myself to not be more personal with somebody mm-hmm. because they like, this is, what I do is what I love. This is why I teach professionally, but I teach professionally, you know, I teach English professional in a public school. I teach in the public school system, but like when it's, I'm teaching karate, like it'd be, it's almost good that I do that version of it because then when I do karate, it just is that passion thing where mm-hmm. and I think it's the same thing with anybody who does any other martial art where it's like some people have to have that commercial aspect of it to pay rent, do this, do that. That's cool. Maybe you're in, big blockbuster movies maybe you're a guy who or something like that like that i think that helps pay the bills but you just have all of your students teach right <laughs> well are we talking about anyone in particular <laughs> because but that's a completely different podcast because like I, I have been in the situation where there was a guy who owned the school and was the master and never showed up to class mm-hmm. and then who actually is the te- teaching these classes uh, students. Okay. So those are the actual people who were. I guess one question I do have for Janae B before we wrap up is did, did Bruce Lee hate karate people? <laughs> uh, no, I don't, I don't think he did. I think, I think just based on what I've read and, and heard from some of the people who knew him, he had an issue with people who thought they knew it all. Um, he had a, an issue with people whose cups were full and uh, were not willing to, to open their mind to things. Um, I think he was a very, very confident individual, maybe at times too confident, and, and that rubbed people the wrong way. I, I think the the karate scene at that time was huge so that was largely the people he was running into so when he was writing writing articles about the classical mess those are going to be the people who uh you know got ticked off but you know you see he had relationships with plenty of karate people joe lewis mike stone chuck norris you know all these people fumio demura one of the one of the people he learned how to use the ninchaku for which is a weapon that he largely made famous thanks to his movies um so you know I, I don't think he i don't think he hated karate people at all all right i mean i didn't bring it up but i did i did what i did want to ask you <laughs> no 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 problem 
did want to make sure we, we got the we, I mean, because it, it is funny because these movies do kind of some of the earlier ones have I'm, I'm maybe I'm getting mixed up with some other things. But I mean, he, I, he had but that was a thread like that. That was like a theme. Yeah, and, in and, Chinese and you, see that, you see that still in, in Chinese movies made about that time period to this day. Um, yeah, there yeah, you're the first Ip Man movie getting into issues of nationalism and things like that. And it's not necessarily that Bruce Lee hated karate. It's just that the bad guys in his movies were in, in those movies were Japanese because the Japanese occupied China. And, you know, you're starting this era of cinema where you want to revive you know, a sense of nationalism. So let's yeah. make the bad guys those guys and let's have our hero kick the crap out of them. And there's the one thing I did like about Enter the or Enter the Frames. Yeah, it's Enter the Dragon, where it's like right. there's just a bunch of like guys in kind of yellowish karate geese going, uh, 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 uh. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's a great critique of what's going on. <laughs> yeah, you that's wonderful. Like, that's exactly, that's, that's, that's spot on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's like watching grown men uh, do a kid's class or something. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. so like that scene in Enter the Dragon, the iconic one and on Han's Island, where you see tons of, of, of Hong Kong stuntmen who probably, you know, majority of them did not have any actual training in the Japanese martial arts. You know, just, just doing reverse punches over and over again. It, it Fist of Fury uh, or the Chinese Connection, depending on which edition you have. You know, the bad guys are all Japanese uh, in, in Shanghai. Uh, you look at them, and they're all wearing their hakama backwards because none of them are actually Japanese. They're Hong Kong stuntmen, and <laughs> didn't have a technical advisor uh, to to tell them which how to put their pants on. So you know that that that's not a, a issue of Bruce Lee's opinion as much as it was just the the cinema of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think it was just like the pro, like his like anti like his like formless form thing. It's like. Mm-mm. I think I think a lot of people took that the wrong way, and it, you know, the, the endless debate about forms in, in its own is a, kind of a headache. To at least have people kind of be like, no, you can do martial arts without this, but you can also not be completely chained to it for no reason, and kind of look beyond it. I think popularly helped a lot of people. But, mm-hmm. uh, and and the formless form thing, uh, it, it's it's only part of the equation because in in Bruce Lee's philosophy, uh, which you know again comes from Taoism and, and Zen, uh, if you uh, if you've read the Heart Sutra, you know form is emptiness, emptiness is form. Um, you know you have to have form to become formless. You know, and once you have formlessness, uh, he he says in the Tao of Jeet Kune Do that JKD favors formlessness so that it can assume all forms. So it, it, it's you're you're absolutely right. Being chained to the form, being like, well, this this is the only way my body can move. This is the only posture I can assume. This is the only way I can issue power. This is, you know, I we only fight in this matter. We you know don't go to the ground, or we only fight on the ground. Grappling is superior. Striking is superior. You know, uh, you can in some ways the fact that these debates still happen. Here we are going on 30 years after the UFC. <laughs> Which in its own right has its own issues, but like... well, yeah, there, yeah, there's tons of issues with that too. Um, you know, we're, we're now coming full circle where we're, we're seeing guys who are professional athletes who have mastered their Muay Thai game, their their BJJ game, going to systems like Taekwondo, 
Mm. Because now all of a sudden, well, that guy knows all the same stuff I do. But if I learn how to do that spinning hook kick, yep. now I've got an edge. Uh, yep. So, yeah, right there. Favors formlessness so it can assume all forms. And, and you're absolutely right where, like, my good friend Keith, who teaches the Wing Chun program at my school, who was uh, John's met as well now, you know, he's always real big on, like, this idea of JKD being formless. The only reason that it that it can be formless or that it could be formless was because Bruce Lee had form. Yeah. He had a foundation. And so you can't, you know, you can't be formless without form first. And and sometimes you want to have more form than than not because you may find you know like Pangi in his in his book writes that whenever you're beginning learning you should learn everything even though like he says like we all have different body types we all have different body shapes we all have different face shapes and so we're all going to have different things that we're good at but you don't know what that is yet. You don't know what you're good at yet. You have to learn all the things. And then naturally your, what he calls special skills will emerge. It's not yeah. that you, you know, like if you have, if you come into the karate class and you're big and strong and you think I'm just going to use my strength, that's not real martial arts training. You have to learn everything about yourself. And then you might go, oh, you know what? I'm actually a better kicker than I thought I could ever be. I've discovered something about myself. And but unless you have that function first, unless you have that fundamental training first and that form, then you can be formless. Not the yeah. other way around. Not the other way around. Yeah, one of my uh, one of my mentors who's not technically a JKD guy, but he's probably more JKD than most JKD people out there, uh, Kelly McCann, combatives, Muay Thai coach, uh, Marine Special Missions officer. Uh, boxing coach uh, he he says he'll occasionally get people come in you know for take boxing classes who've basically you know been roughing around with their friends in their backyard and well th you know this is my style this is how i fight and he, he says uh, and i don't want to put words in his mouth but essentially you know you don't get to have a style while you still suck <laughs> You know, yeah. your, style, your style is what you develop exactly like you're saying as you go through the training. You don't know what your style is. Mm. You know, I, and your style evolves and changes. I don't fight like I did yeah. in my 20s. And, yeah. you know, thankfully, because the, the me now would probably kick the crap out of that kid um, <laughs> and probably tell him to shut the hell up. Uh, but, you know, style is and this is where I think. Bruce Lee is is on to something. You know, style is something that's nebulous. Mm -hmm. it, it evolves mm -hmm. with you. You know, so adhering yeah. to your style. This is my style. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's where you get trapped. Well, it's also banal too. What does a style end up becoming? It become ends up becoming a curriculum. What is a curriculum? That's just like that checklist. So you do yeah. a checklist, but it's <laughs> that's not technique. In the sense of you've developed something that you're working on, right? Mm. And that's a harder thing to describe, but it's like how you go, the method of how you go about doing something. Like you can walk into a room and just just turn on a light and be like, all right, and do a couple push-ups, a couple kicks, all right, I'm done. Rather than you're you know you're going into a room, you're kind of understanding like all the corners of the room, right? And then you're kind of like you're building the awareness of what's going on, right? You're you're experimenting on different things and then you're you're drilling basics 
then you're examining those basics depending upon who you're working with. So I think how we look at the the idea of form and style, right? Just in in itself, right? Mm -hmm. Rather than and like just the word technique has to kind of be looked at in a different way because we're so used to style being what's on this piece of paper, technique of being how this guy got put on the ground, rather than kind of in a more holistic way of of approaching the the physical fit the physical the physical conditioning the te the technical skill the kind of basic rudimentary stuff right and I think that's all there for pretty much every martial art and I think Bruce Lee was just one of the louder better voices to point out like this is what you guys are doing why aren't you doing or you what you want to be doing why aren't you doing it yeah so uh, and the thing that kind of brings it home uh, with my students at the beginning you know is that okay so if if we're all learning how to throw a jab and yes there's multiple different ways to throw a jab but for for lack of uh, a simple or for simplification's sake we're, do, we're all doing the, the same jab there's only one way to do it you're going to learn it the same way i'm going to learn it i'm going to we're all going to hit pads the same time we're all going to learn body mechanics at the same time but the benefit of, of being a heavily sparring based uh practice that jkd is you very quickly learn well yeah we all learn the same thing but we don't do it the same way the, the strategies that i use around my jab are not going to be the same that dan uses dan's tall and lanky i'm a short stubby german dude it yeah it's mm -hmm. we, we don't fight the same even if it's just going to be limited to that same technique and so mm -hmm. that's where that the, the personal expression of JKD comes in. Yeah, the, the expression isn't just saying whatever the hell you want to say because you could be lying. Uh, there's there's that famous you know Bruce Lee interview where he talks about honestly expressing yourself. So finding your honest expression in that moment with your jab, that's that's where your style is. Everything else is just artifice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Break path, breaking paths that's hard for a lot of people and kind of. But True. The, just even getting close to that is hard for a lot of people. And even using the word artifice, like, <laughs> like people don't use the word art. Like, it's a good word. It is a good word. I'm not. Good word. I'm not, I got a calendar not, for Christmas. <laughs> that's the the true the true the, the, the true intention of martial arts: expanding people's vocabulary. There you go. One SAT cool. word at a time. There we go. I've, like isn't it. it like not the SATs anymore? Isn't it another thing? I have no clue. Just, just oh, don't go. Really? Did so they change it me? now? Oh my god. Again, you would probably know better than uh, than me. I don't know. My my son graduated three years ago and he did the SATs. Okay. All right. So uh, unless it's different now, could be. God forbid. God forbid. Anyway, gentlemen, I think we've done a good good uh, go around on that. JB, anything else you want you want to conclude on with anything? No, I'm I'm very happy with the conversation. I had a great time with you guys. Cool. Anybody's welcome to come down to Maryland Jeet Kune Do and uh, train with us. Yeah, as long as yeah he's got he's got, got an Instagram. At 11:30 on Friday night, uh, stoned off your balls. You know, <laughs> don't don't log in there. Don't, don't yeah, please don't, don't go on the the any sort of wait till you're sober. Yes. Oh man. Uh, but yeah, uh, MarylandGKundo.com. You can find us there. Um, Instagram, YouTube, all those fun places. Our YouTube isn't isn't uh, widely followed. I don't have a lot of instructionals. It's mostly just uh, videos of people sparring, <laughs> which isn't as interesting as you know. That's fine. I'm all about the non-interesting <laughs> YouTube videos. Yeah. 
you know, back in the day when you just like filmed something and it's like, yeah, it's there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Watch it mm-hmm. before yeah. the internet. Now, you now you've got to have clickbait and a big intro and then you have to. No, you don't. You know. Just get right to it. Just, just, <laughs> we just we just throw this on here because this is like is another avenue people will listen to it on. But anyway, what are you guys up to this week in terms of training? What's the plan? Oh, go ahead, man. Yeah, what am I doing this week? Same stuff. Gosh, I mean, all we do is the same stuff. Different week. Um, yeah. (laughs) Same stuff, different week. Really? I mean, we've been we've been focusing a lot. uh, Like the past couple weeks have been focusing on using the same technique at different ranges. So, you know, using you know a front kick or a side kick, uh, or you know, setting it up with a with a with a trap or with a uh, with a bait and, and 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 check and grab or whatever, um, and then depending on the on the range of the of the opponent, if they're close, knee them. If they're far, kick them. If they come even closer, throw them to the ground. Use you you know you know trip the leg, sweep the leg, throw them down. All in the same you know it's all the same technique. So we've been kind of working that my tai chi class going back to basics, like really really back to basics. We're looking at you know just splitting the hips. That's all we've been doing this week. Which is essentially standing still with your toes pointed this way and then just allowing your knees to do this, just forward yeah. and back. And then having the harmony of your of your lower body and your upper body. And so your legs are moving your shoulders, not the other way around. And that is very difficult. So we've been going back to that um, and isolating that in brush knee and twist up, isolating that in cloud hands, just kind of isolating that uh, leg first movement which gosh i see so many people jb you probably can attest to this you know i see so many people doing clinch work or so many people doing some sort of uh close range fighting and their their feet are tiptoeing and they're flittering around like this and their arms are kind of like doing this just waiting to be tossed by somebody who knows what they're doing and uh so we've been we've been focusing a lot on that stick work we're uh, we're going to be focusing next week. I'm going to be doing um, more more fainting, triangulo, more uh, uh, triangle step uh, functionality. So, um, yeah, that's me. JP, anything? anything? Uh, yeah, so uh, we're actually going to be doing some karate. Yes. <laughs> we come uh, full circle. <laughs> so, like I mentioned, uh, you know, I started off in Matsubayashi. Um, I, uh, I did Dongsudo for many years. And uh, way, way back in the, the depths of the early days of the internet, uh, I was actually a moderator on a, a little-known site called Bullshito. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. And uh, this was kind of back when the, the beginnings of the Bunkai craze had just started. Uh, Ian Abernathy had put out his first book. Patrick McCarthy had, of course, been doing it for, for years. And I had this bright idea that, uh, you know, it'd be kind of interesting because I'm on Bullshito where – that you have that rough and tumble atmosphere. Most of the people are MMA practitioners. I, I kind of had this perspective that uh, there was no Jigoro Kano for Bunkai. Mm. When he got to Japan and the, the way they took that avenue for live training went into uh, you know what we see today is, is modern kumite. The, the, the throws, everything else just kind of went by the late wayside. So I thought, hey, you know, it'd be really cool to uh, you know, see if I could 
take the stuff from you know the the Pinan Kata or the the Pyongan forms and kind of make it an alive art. And so I started getting into that, and then I kind of had the opinion of, oh hey, well if I'm gonna be doing a lot of grappling, I should probably learn that. I should I, if I'm gonna be doing clinch work, I should probably learn that. And this coincided right about the time I was starting Jeet Kune Do, and uh, I, I went down hard down that path of learning how to do those things. Uh, and then through conversations with uh, Dan and uh, I'm friends with um, Mike Nguyen of uh, Karate Culture. It used to be Karate Culture, now uh, uh, Karate Breakdown. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Really, really good dude. Uh, trained at his place out in San Antonio when he had that. And then just watching some of the people like like Dan was talking about uh, teaching, trying to teach Bunkai, but uh, have no clinch experience Anybody from the outside who, you know, has done Muay Thai or Judo or, or, you know, Greco are looking at them and thinking, this is not good. And if they encounter one of those guys, they're going to get destroyed. And so I decided, you know, I'm going to revive that. I'm going to bring that back because I, you know, I don't have, going back to that whole forms idea, your forms never really leave you. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would need to consult a reference book to go through Kusanku at this point in my career, but I can definitely mm-hmm. pull, you know, combinations from it that have just been drilled into me i can do mm-hmm. naihanshi no problem <laughs> but uh, yeah. it'd be hard to forget that one to be honest <laughs> that, that's like gotta be one do, I, yeah. I learned it i learned it a lot of stuff quote-unquote out of order i learned when like i learned the hanshi, i'm like why didn't we do this one? Oh, it's supposed to be first um so but, but so I, i've basically you know i, I don't you know, none of my JKD students have learned a karate kata from me, but just, you know, in our training. So if we're going to be doing working clinch or whatever, uh, let's work this little section of bunkai. And, and it's not, they don't learn this is bunkai. We just mm-hmm. work clinch and here's this throw or here's this technique. So we've been playing mm-hmm. with those things. and it's, it's been a lot of fun. Nice. Okay. JB, thank you so much. No for sharing your thoughts, your knowledge. Um, everybody check out, what was your website again? MarylandGKundo.com. MarylandGKundo.com. Cool. And definitely go there, check them out. Dan, thank you for, 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 for prodding me out of my sleep and my winter slumber and be like, we're doing an episode. I'm like, really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is, this is going to happen more often, John. Just, you know, be prepared. Oh God. <laughs> Listener, be prepared. All right. Well, <laughs> Dan, JB, thank you so much. And everybody, don't forget to keep training.